More than 150,000 Americans received their health care overseas, and nearly half of the procedures were for medically necessary surgeries. It's called medical tourism. Welcome to ReachMD XM Channel 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter with the Chicago Tribune, and with me today is Dr. James Rohack. He's the board of trustee with the American Medical Association and a senior staff cardiologist at the Scott White Clinic in Temple, Texas. Dr. Rohack has been on the American Medical Association Board of Trustees since 2004 and 2005 when he was elected to a final four-year term in 2005. Dr. Rohack is here to speak with us today about an issue that we might actually see people going across the border from his home state of Texas to get care in Mexico or other people, despite the value of the U.S. dollar overseas, are flying to Europe for surgeries and all sorts of things. But the American Medical Association is taking steps to address these issues at its annual meeting this year. It's come up with some principles that are probably needed for patients so they actually know and they can, and doctors, quite frankly, so they can tell their patients what to look for. Dr. Rohack, welcome to ReachMD XM 157. It's great to be here, Bruce. And you're exactly right. The concern that there may be perverse incentives that would somehow force patients in an involuntary way to seek health care outside the United States just to benefit insurers or employers. That's one of the reasons why the AMA adopted these nine principles, to make sure that patients are aware first if there's an incentive to seek care outside the United States, what that really means. What happens, for example, is that all your medical records internationally are not protected by any HIPAA regulations. So you don't have the privacy regulations that you do in the United States. Second, when you leave the United States, one of the realities is many times you're going there for surgery. So when you have a surgical procedure, there needs to be coordination of that post-operative care. If you don't have a way to get your medical records back, then you become actually at increased risk because you don't have that coordination occurred ahead of time. Of course, the rights and responsibilities to you if you are going to travel internationally, depending upon where you go, you may need to have additional vaccines to be done. You need to have a valid passport. You need to have a visa. There are a lot more problems of leaving the United States to get health care than just, for example, crossing from one state to another. And I think one of the things that people will look at and they'll say, okay, well, the number is only 150,000 now, but we have a huge number of uninsured in this country, and unfortunately, it's still growing. But if you compare this to the situation where senior citizens and other people were ordering drugs overseas from Canada and wherever else, this is a real issue because, let's face it, healthcare is expensive. So if they'll try to get drugs overseas, then why wouldn't they go over for an operation? Well, in a longstanding principle of the American Medical Association is that patients should have the choice to choose where they get their health care. One of our concerns are is that the incentives in an attempt to decrease 
their cost for health care, employers may be incentivizing individuals to leave the United States for their health care, as you mentioned. There are some countries that, because those countries don't have a broken liability system like ours, are able to provide the same implant at much less cost. And so when that patient travels internationally, again, our concerns and the reason for this is to highlight we would not want to have a situation where your employer who's providing health care for their workers of saying, if you want to get your hip replaced, you must go internationally to get it done. We don't think that's an appropriate way to have a financial incentive that takes away the volunteer nature. I think the other thing we have to realize is that there are certainly some international hospitals that have stepped up to the plate to undergo the voluntary accreditation system like through the Joint Commission International. The AMA is one of the five corporate members of the Joint Commission. Joint Commission accredits domestic hospitals, but also accredits international hospitals through its subsidiary Joint Commission International, so that the assurance that a patient, if they do decide to travel internationally for their care, the coordination of care, making sure you get it in an accredited facility, and if you can, make sure that those who are going to provide your care have appropriate training and qualifications, and in the case of a physician, appropriate board certification so that they can at least make sure that they have equivalent training to U.S. graduates who are providing care in the United States. Well, if you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter with the Chicago Tribune, and my guest today is Dr. James Rohack. He's a member of the AMA's Board of Trustees, and we're talking about something the AMA did this year. They established first-ever guidance on medical tourism. Medical tourism is becoming, despite the value of the U.S. dollar, is becoming a huge issue in the sense that over 150,000 Americans annually are receiving care overseas, and this number continues to grow. And Dr. Rohak, if you will, one of the interesting things is that, you know, when people think that if they go outside of the U.S. into another healthcare system. It's, it's run by the government, and therefore there should be certain checks and balances. But a lot of times what people don't understand is that there's sort of an entrepreneurial spirit in some of these countries where there are for-profit hospitals and such that will take patients who can pay with a credit card and so forth, and they might not necessarily be subject to the same rigorous scrutiny as there would be in perhaps a government hospital. Is that true? Well, I think the bottom line is the ac voluntary accreditation system. That's your common platform, whether a hospital is paid for by a government or paid for through an individual private sector. The important aspect is that hospital or facility has decided to undergo the voluntary accreditation so that they're willing to meet the standards of quality and patient safety. Again, it, similar to the United States, you have the Veterans Administration, you have hospitals that are community hospitals, you do have private hospitals, but they all agree to undergo a accreditation system. And in the United States, 90% of those hospitals is through the Joint Commission. Internationally, the Joint Commission International is, is a mechanism to assure that if a patient is going, and if you as a physician, your patient has come to you and said, hey, doc, I'd like to have a, my hip replaced, but I really can't afford to do it. What do you think I ought to do? My employer will, is willing to pay for me if I go internationally. And, and at least you have in those senses, you have a 
seal of approval, if it were. I mean, it's something for a patient and a physician to look for, to know that, hey, because let's face it, there might be some physicians that are referring people for something, you know, if they know of somebody or... It's that comfort level that if a hospital has a voluntary accreditation seal of approval, you know they have, number one, they're committed to quality and safety. Number two is there's at least a standard that they've been able to achieve. And most importantly, most of the standards internationally are equivalent to our Joint Commission standards domestically, so that it's a, it's a similar sort of process and a, and a comfort level that you can feel at least somebody's overlooking it. And so in the sense that you advise people prior to travel, the doctor and the patient should make sure that the care is coordinated, and if they do go over for a certain procedure, when they come back home, perhaps they see their primary care physician and such. And I guess, what are you hearing? What are people going over for? Well, two of the biggest surgical procedures are related to cardiovascular as well as orthopedic. Cardiovascular, it's either bypass surgery or heart valve replacement. Again, because of our broken liability system, one can get that procedure done at less cost internationally because they don't have to worry about the additional 20 to 30 percent of concerns that we have in this nation because of fear of being sued. Hip or knee major joint replacement is the second large surgery that one leaves this country and goes internationally. I I need to also highlight the other risk that patients sometimes forget. If you are going to travel for a long airfare flight, in other words, 10, 12, 14 hours of airfare, one of the things that creates clots is the blood not moving. And you add on top of that, the body, as a response to healing, will tend to have factors that increase the risk of clot. So someone who's gone internationally to get their hip replaced or their valve and then is traveling back to the United States is at a much higher risk of developing complications. And unfortunately, they then land in the United States. If they have that complication, they don't have their medical records or their medical records have not been transcribed into English. You have one of the biggest problems of coordination and continuity of care is that the physician now who has to treat the urgent or emergent situation doesn't have any information on the type of care you got, or what medications you're on, or was there any complications when you had the original surgery? That's just not good patient care. And clearly, the American Medical Association wants to assure that patients get the highest quality, the highest safety in care that they can receive. And part of these principles that the House of Delegates adopted now as new AMA policy is really to outline those principles that we believe if followed, at least tries to assure as much as possible that, number one, that voluntary leaving the United States is voluntary. Number two, you have coordination of care. And all the risks that the person may undergo are explained to them ahead of time. So they literally have the informed consent that before they get on that plane to go get a new hip in in a particular international country, they're aware of the responsibilities to make sure coordination occurs afterwards. And sometimes the patient's going to have to be that one that helps to facilitate that by carrying their records both ways. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And also, I suppose, for the doctors out there as well as the patients, is that they have to find a way to do their own due diligence either by the Internet or whatever. I mean, even in this country, there's not a lot of quality information, but simply asking, has this physician done a knee replacement in the last 
year or how many have they done? Certainly from a surgical standpoint on an elective basis, there is data that says the higher volume centers tend to have a better outcome than low volume centers, especially for particular procedures, hip replacement, bypass surgery, so that understanding when you're going to that facility, how many have you done, what's your outcomes, clearly the more evidence you can get on that, the more the informed patient can be. And I think when we take a look at where the American Medical Association has been, we created the Physician Consortium for Performance Improvement to create those measures to be able to be used to improve performance. Clearly, as we evolve our system of healthcare in the next few years to have the transparencies of producing valid data so the person can make some choices, internationally, they are clearly not where we are domestically. And so, again, our caution and our concern is if the patient is being forced by the insurance company or the employer to go to an international environment to get their care. Right there, that's that's against one of our principles, which says that it must be voluntary. Well, Dr. James Rohek has been our guest. He's a board member of the American Medical Association. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune. I've been your host. To listen to our on-demand library on ReachMD, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Register with promo code radio and receive six months free streaming for your home or office. If you have comments or suggestions, call us at 888-MD-XM-157. And I would like to thank you today for listening.